Good morning to everyone listening. Um, I'm grateful to be here this morning and to see all of you and to see um, what has been, I know, so much work and time and effort spent by such a wonderful group of leaders come to fruition today. And I'm so excited on the outset of this for what God has in store for each and every one of you. Um, what Tammy said is true, that when people, God's people gather around God's word, something amazing happens. And I'm not sure what you bring into the room this morning, but here's what I am sure of. Um, God wants to meet you. God wants to do a work in your life. God wants to reveal himself fresh and anew to you. This isn't just another Bible study. This is an encounter with the living God. And God wants to meet you in your disappointments and your confusions and your frustrations. Um, God wants to make himself known to you and journey with you. And so many amazing teachings and so much amazing content is waiting on you as you turn through the pages of the book of Romans. I wanted to share with you um, just personally, some of you have heard me share this before, um, my life was changed forever through the book of Romans. Uh, God's grace was revealed to me through the words that you're getting ready to study. And it was actually through my mother. My mom was invited to a neighborhood, which she thought was a tea. Um, but the second week, um, K Authors Romans Bible study was handed out, and she stayed. And uh, my mom was lost as a ball in high weeds, did not know Jesus. And, and, uh, we did, I did not grow up going to church. My parents um, did not take us to church. They were not Christ followers. Um, and the study of the book of Romans um, changed my mom's life. She met Jesus in that study, uh, fell in love with Jesus, began to passionately study God's word, and began to take all of us to church. And that same uh, family that invited my mom uh, to come and be a part of the Romans Bible study invited our family to join them at their local church. And all of us uh, heard Jesus and the gospel for the first time and our lives were forever changed. So it's not hy hyperbolic to say um, that the study of the book of Romans revealed God's grace to my family and changed our lives forever. I would not be standing here if it wasn't for the book of Romans and that study. And so I pray for an only God moment um, just like that for each of you, whatever that means uh, in your life. It might mean for salvation for some of you. It might mean for salvation for someone in your family. Uh, it might be reminding you of who God is and his goodness and grace and his love towards you. I'm, I'm not sure, but, but I do know that God wants to make himself known to you and reveal his grace as you study what the word means and um, how it applies to your life and, 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 and what God's word says to you. And you're going to walk through all of those. Um, what does God's word uh, say? What, what does it mean um, to each of you? And um, what does it mean specifically in your life? How can you take it and apply it? And um, as I went through the study and, and looked through what has been written, um, all three of those themes are going to appear in all the studies. What does God's word say? What does it mean? What does it mean to you? And it's a wonderful grid to uh, study God's word through. So can I pray for you? And um, I'm going to turn it over to Lisa Giller, who is starting today um, and giving a context of the book uh, as we walk through Romans together. So Paul gives, um, you may already know this, but you'll get to it. Paul actually gives three different benedictions to the book of Romans. Um, there's three different blessings that he gives at the end of the book. And it's almost as if um, he doesn't want it to come to an end. 
And so beginning in chapter 15, he gives a benediction, and then he gives two more after that. Um, and I want to read the first one, the first of five, uh, first of three. And he's got actually five of the major themes of the book of Romans in, in one verse. Um, and I just want to read it as a blessing this morning as we start the study and trust God for what he wants to do. So it's found in Romans 15. Didn't bring my glasses up here with me. Um, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13, if you want to turn there and just circle it. This is the first of three benedictions that Paul, Paul gives in the book of Romans. And this is my, my prayer for each of you as well as you journey through Romans together. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll read that one more time. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that's our prayer this morning as we start the study of Romans that you would be our source of hope, that you would fill us completely with joy and with peace. We need that in our lives. We need your joy. We need your peace. And would you fill us with those things completely as we trust you, as we believe you, as we take you at your word? Would you help us to overflow with confident hope, not in ourselves, but through the power of the Holy Spirit God, would you speak through Lisa today? Would you take what has been so carefully and thoughtfully prepared and would you multiply it for your good purposes in our lives? We place what's, what's been thought through and, and planned and prayed over into your hands, the same hands that made the heavens, the same hands that took five loaves and two fish and fed so many people. We pray that we will be fed through your word and your study. And we pray this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, yeah. Good morning. Um, I am so glad to be with you. Um, after a year of doing Bible study online, it's great to be with so many of you in person. Um, and I just am always so grateful to start a study of God's Word, because it really has been through the study of God's Word that my life has been transformed in many different seasons, um, in many different groups. Um, it has been the study of God's Word that has changed me and challenged me and corrected me where I needed to be corrected. Um, and so I am just um, expectant that that's going to happen again for me, and I hope that it also my prayer is that it also happens for you as we walk through the book of Romans. So um, my family has been in Charlotte um, for 11 years. This is my family. Um, we've been a part of this church for that same amount of time. And, um, and I have been involved in women's ministry and um, uh, Bible study for most of that time. Um, I was raised in a Christian home and came to love Jesus at an early age, but like I just said, it was really through um, Bible study that my life 
um, has been, been transformed and continues to be transformed. Um, and so, like Chris just said and Tammy just said, we're studying the book of Romans. And, um, and so I just want to dive in. So first, what do we know about this letter? Um, the first thing I want to do is just show us where it is in Scripture. So um, if you have a hard copy of your Scriptures, if that's what you use, um, if you turn all the way to the back of your, of your Bible and then go toward the front, about 100 to 200 pages, you're probably going to stumble over Romans. Um, or you can take the New Testament section of your Bible and right about in the middle of the New Testament section of your Bible, between Acts and 1 Corinthians, you're going to find the book of Romans. But what do we know about where it was from, where it was written, and when it was written? Um, we know that Romans was written uh, from Corinth, which is in Greece. Um, and it was during the last part of Paul's third missionary journey. He spent about three months probably in Corinth. And um, while he was there, he was hosted by a friend named Gaius and, um, and fellowshiped with the believers there. And during his time there, he crafted, probably with the help of some of the other believers, um, what we have in front of us as the letter to the Roman church. Um, it was written and sent in AD 57, um, and um, it was sent to the church in Rome, which was actually made up of a number of different house churches. Um, and some commentators believe that there were upwards of 10 different house churches that this letter was sent to. Um, like I just mentioned, it was probably formed together um, with a couple other believers, Paul, um, having been raised in the Hebrew educational system, he would have known the um, concept, he would have been immersed in the concept of teaching and learning was always in a group setting. Um, and so teachers would also be co-learners. Um, and so when Paul was crafting this, he probably discussed a lot of the themes and the points that he included in this letter. Um, it was definitely done um, more as we could, it's probably best to think of this more as like a senior thesis paper um, or a senior project where you spend a long time coming up with the words that you're going to put into this paper. There's other people influencing what words you're going to use. Um, instead of us, how we might think, I'm going to sit down and write a personal note to somebody. That's not, we, we probably shouldn't think of Paul sitting down one day and writing all 16 chapters of Romans at one sitting. Um, that's not very likely. In fact, there were probably several different drafts of this letter before they compiled what we know now as the letter to the Romans. Um, along with him probably talking with others as they were forming this letter, um, we know for certain that it was written not by Paul's hand, but by a man named Tertius. And we know that from Romans 16, 22. Tertius, after writing all of this, he kind of says, hey, I'm Tertius, and I'm the one that uh, wrote this. So we know that Paul had a secretary. He was probably a paid secretary, actually. Um, and then we also know that Paul is not the one that took the letter. Um, Paul sent the letter 
And we're told in Romans 16 as, as well, Romans 16, 1 and 2, that the letter was taken by Phoebe. And Phoebe, we're told, was a patron of many and a patron specifically of Paul, which means that she, from her own means, helped to supply and support those who were spreading the gospel. So Paul would have entrusted, they would have finished the manuscript, they would have um, prepared it for travel and sent it along, and he entrusted it to Phoebe. And then when she got to Rome, um, she didn't just pass it off to the house churches. Um, the messenger of the letter would actually have taught the letter to the receiving church. Um, and so since we um, are pretty certain that there would have been several different house churches, she would have taught this letter um, several different times to the different house churches. Um, and um, in doing so, would have been able to help with things like tone because she would have been taught this letter before she was entrusted with it to take to the churches. Um, so um, it's likely that, um, that she would have been considered a teacher of the word. Um, one of, one of the earliest women teachers in the Christian church. So um, before we dive any more deeply into Romans, I just want to um, talk a smidge about our format, um, our format um, in the study itself, as well as the format of the homework book that you received. So every Tuesday morning, we will start in here at 9.30, and teaching will go for about a half an hour. And then we'll have a short break between our large group time where you can go over to Colony Cafe and get something yummy to eat um, and move into your small groups. And small groups um, are so very important. This is where we have the opportunity to um, learn together, where I get to share what the Lord Jesus has been teaching me and working on me. But then I get to learn from the Lord Jesus through what he's been teaching you. And, um, and it is in that talking together about what the Lord Jesus is doing in our lives that we are deeply formed and transformed by the word of God. So um, small group time is where the work really happens. Um, and, and like I just said about Paul and the learning system in which he was raised, this type of um, system of learning is thousands of years old and it's very effective. So don't miss your small group times. Um, if you look at your homework book, um, I appreciate that Chris has already mentioned this, but each homework lesson is divided into three different question sections. Um, each lesson, um, the first lesson starts on page eight and each lesson will begin with an introduction that will maybe reference the lesson where we were before and give a little bit of insight about where we're going. And then that first question, section of questions, the what does it say section, um, this is where pretty much every question in that section, you're going to be able to look straight at the passage that we're studying and answer specifically from the passage that we're studying. Um, and then the next section, the what does it mean section, this is where we really put our, our brains um, into gear. We're going to synthesize the information at this point. Um, we're going to start slowly drawing some conclusions about what that particular passage might mean. 
And then from those conclusions, we can move on to the last section, um, which is sometimes called an application section. And in every single lesson that we're going to do this year, that application section can be um, described this way. We're answering one question, kind of an overall question in this. What is a way that I am invited to live differently because of what I just studied? Um, we want that work that we did in the first two sections to move from our heads to our hearts and out into our lives. And that is the process of transformation in studying the Word of God. So let's go back to Romans um, and um, talk about who was Paul. Uh, what do we know of him as the author of the book of Romans? Uh, we know that he was a devout Jew. In Philippians 3, specifically, but elsewhere in the New Testament, we're told that he was born of the tribe of Benjamin and that he considered himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews, which meant that in his mind, he obeyed all of the Jewish laws and zealously lived his entire life centered on the Hebrew scriptures. We also know that even though he was born to a righteous Jewish Jewish family in Tarsus, that he was also a Roman citizen. <clears throat> we don't know if his family was given citizenship because of a service done to the empire, or um, if his family purchased citizenship, um, but we do know that Paul identifies himself as a Roman citizen several times in the New Testament, and it was because of this declaration that he received some specific protections during his missionary journeys uh, that were provided only to Roman citizens. Sometimes after he had already been beaten, then he's like, I'm a Roman citizen, and they're like, whoopsie. Um, so, but he, he was definitely a Roman citizen. We know that he was highly educated. As I've already mentioned a couple times, he was educated in the Hebrew educational system, um, which would have been um, communally uh, he would have been um, discussing. It's much more of a discussion rather than a Socratic type of, um, of learning. Um, and so if you were to kind of peek into a young Hebrew um, school, there would have been what to our ears sounds like arguing all the time, was really discussing and coming to a deeper understanding through those discussions of what the word meant. Um, we also know that he was raised in the um, Roman system of rhetoric and logic, which you can see pretty clearly in this book that we're about to study. We're told in Acts that, that Paul studied in Jerusalem, actually, under the rabbi, the renowned rabbi Gamaliel. Um, and so it's assumed because of that information that as a young adolescent, Paul would have made his way from Tarsus, which is in modern-day Turkey, to Jerusalem. Maybe his family um, or he and his father made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for one of um, the yearly feasts. And at that point, Paul then would have stayed in Jerusalem to begin his tutelage under Gamaliel. Um, and to be taught under the teachers of the religious law, particularly the sect of the Pharisees. Um, we also know that Paul was dramatically transformed um, after, in his young adulthood 
um, with the backing of the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem, Paul was sent on his way to arrest um, people who uh, were part of the Jewish community who had um, left Jerusalem because they were starting to be persecuted because of their faith in Jesus as the one true God and Messiah. Um, so Paul has, has, uh, was sent to go and arrest these um, these fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, and on his way, he was he encountered the risen Lord Jesus. Um, and at that time, the Lord Jesus um, asked Paul, "Why are you persecuting me?" And Paul was like, "Who am I persecuting?" Um, but the Lord Jesus took that um, that opportunity to really take the blinders off of Paul. Um, Paul's eyes and release him from the bondage of self-righteousness um, and allow him to actually see that Jesus was the one, the Messiah, who he had been waiting for and who, in fact, the whole world had been waiting for. And actually, Jesus was the fulfillment of all that Paul had um, set up in his life to defend um, so he was dramatically tra transformed. And finally, we know that Paul was a world traveler. Um, not only did he travel from Tarsus to Jerusalem, but he also traveled many other places in the ancient Near East, as well as the eastern part of Europe. Um, and it is estimated that he traveled about 20,000 miles in his lifetime. And we need to remember that most of that would have been either on foot or by um, treacherous water voyage. So he was a hardy person for sure. So who was Paul writing to? Um, as I mentioned before, the church in Rome was made up of several different house churches. Um, we know that these house churches were made up of Jewish believers, Jewish Christ followers, and Gentile Christ followers. So there's a record, there is record of Jew uh, Jewish community in Rome by the second century BC. So when Paul wrote his letter to the Romans in 57 AD, the, um, the Jewish community there would have been well established at least for a couple hundred years. Um, we don't know for sure how the Roman Christian church was started, but it's possible that some of these faithful Jewish um, people had gone on pilgrimage as they were instructed to do to Jerusalem for some of the yearly feasts. And um, it's likely that some of them were in Jerusalem the year that Jesus was crucified, that he died, was buried, and resurrected. And then in Pentecost, 50, years, 50 days later, um, when Peter gave his Acts 2 sermon, and, um, and we see that there were thousands of Jews gathered for that sermon and people from all over the world who spoke different languages. It's possible that some of those people were faithful Jews from Rome who then took this good news back with them to Rome to their Jewish communities and began to worship the Messiah. So um, whether at that point, uh, Gentiles were then in invited in as they began to believe that the Lord Jesus was the one true 
God, um, or if Gentile believers began to hear this news and started their own house churches, and so maybe they weren't even meeting together, but they were meeting separately and worshiping the same God. Um, we, don't, we don't know that. But this teaching um, of the one true God being um, having come in flesh in the Lord Jesus and um, salvation um, only through Jesus being revealed, that truth is what went to Rome somehow and started these house churches. Finally, we know that this, the, um, the members of these house churches, for the most part, would have been considered, um, at least the Jewish Christians would have been considered of low status. Um, the Jewish community was not well-loved in Rome. In fact, in 49 AD, the emperor Claudius expelled them from Rome. Um, and so the churches would have already been started. The Jewish and the Gentile um, house churches would have already been started when the Jewish community was expelled from Rome. And they were um, expelled from Rome for about five years. So um, during that time when the Jewish believers were expelled from Rome, it's likely that the Gentile uh, churches continued to grow and develop. And it's possible that during that time when the Jewish believers were no longer a part of um, their regular interaction with other believers, that the Gentile believers, um, the Jewish heritage of Christianity maybe either faded or um, the laws that govern Jewish life um, began to be seen um, either as... Um, distasteful or something that they didn't want to participate in. So then when the Jewish believers started to filter back into Rome about five years later, which was only two years before Paul sent this letter, when those Jewish believers started to filter back into Rome, um, we can begin to understand that there, there was probably some tension at that point between these two different ethnic groups who were trying to figure out what it meant to live as Christ followers. Um, and so I think that's helpful for us to keep in mind, particularly as we get to the latter half of Romans, um, because Paul does speak specifically about how we are to love one another and what that's to look like in our lives. But even um, through from the beginning and all the way through, Paul is talking often about um, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers and the, the Jewish um, history and heritage of our Christian faith. So um, as Chris mentioned, if you um, heard him say this, there are about five main themes in Romans. I just wanted to point out two of those. Um, and a lot of the themes are interconnected. But I think these two um, will be good for us to keep in mind as we go through because um, some of the other ideas that we're going to be unpacking will all fit up underneath these two. First, salvation is through Jesus alone. Um, Paul takes the time to describe and go into detail what the different parts of this mean, um, how he is the Messiah of the one true God, um, and how, how anyone is able to have salvation, what that looks like in my life, what it looks like for us as a people who follow him, um, salvation is through Jesus alone. And secondly, grace revealed in Jesus calls me to live differently. So as I've accepted that grace, there then is 
a change, a transformation, um, a work that is not only done in me, but it's worked out in my daily life. Um, and that, will, that comes um, almost as a necessary um, or involuntary reaction um, and response to the grace that has been revealed to us in the Lord Jesus. Um, so finally, um, we could divide Romans, at least this is how I'm looking at it, we could divide Romans into three sections. Um, the first section is Romans 1 through 5, and it really dives into the essential question, what is the gospel? Um, and this is where we're going to see that salvation is through Jesus alone really um, unpacked um, in a significant way. Um, secondly, Romans 6 through 11, the essential question is, how does Jesus' grace change me? Um, what is the work that is done in me? How is it that I am reconciled to the one true God? Um, what are the legal terms that Paul uses to unpack this understanding? Um, he goes deep in this, and we are invited to go with him. And finally, Paul closes this letter in Romans 12 through 16 with the question, how should this grace shape the way I live? Um, and you could almost think of these sections in the same type of um, pattern that we have in our workbook. The what does it say, what does it mean, what does it mean to me? Um, with this last section being kind of the application section. So if we're going to believe that salvation is through Jesus alone and that God's grace revealed in Jesus changes me, then what does that require of me as a Christ follower? And Romans 12 through 16 um, give us very clear instructions as Christ followers of what it should look like as my heart and mind are being transformed, as my mind is being renewed, um, as I'm living in the giftings that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to me for the benefit of the believers, the body of believers. Um, so as we start this study, I want to challenge each of us, all of us, to articulate what it is that we want to be um, different in our lives as a result of having been in the study of Romans. How do I want to be different at the end of this study than I am today? And, and I challenge you to articulate that to the Lord Jesus tell him. And, and if you're not sure, invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart and, and ask him to reveal to you the change that needs to happen. And then ask him to make your heart tender so that you can respond to his conviction and, um, and the change that he wants to work in all of us. The Lord Jesus has provided the one way of salvation. He's provided the one way of reconciliation with the one true God. So I need to ask myself, does the way that I live and the way that I treat others, does that reflect the lavish love and grace that God has poured out on me? 
This study of Romans will give us another opportunity to be reminded of God's grace revealed and all that grace changes in our lives. So I just wanted to conclude with this this, um, quote from the Riken Bible Handbook. Um, And they say, Philip and um, Leland Riken, his father, say that the best motivation for a life of fruitful service to God is a deep grasp of God's grace in the gospel. Let me say that again. The best motivation for a life of fruitful service to God is a deep grasp of God's grace in the gospel. It is the theology of Romans with its emphasis on what God has done in Christ that will help us the most with our Christian practice. Let me close us in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for our time, um, this, this time that you've carved out for us to study your word and to, um, to be changed by your word. Um, I thank you that you allow us to study in community and that you have allowed us um, today to be together in person. I'm grateful for that. I ask that you would um, bless our time together in our small groups and even now, even in this moment, begin to knit our hearts together so that we might, in fact, be changed as we um, see you reflected in each other and are challenged by your word. In Jesus' name, amen.